Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content. So if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is C, and C is for cunt. As Dr. Kate Lister said in her chapter on the subject, as far as offensive words go, you are entering a hard hat area. The link in the notes takes you to the excerpt, and I highly recommend all of her writing. If you are easily offended, this is probably not the podcast for you this week. Cunt is the word for vulva. According to Dr. Kate Lister, cunt is the oldest word for female genitalia in the English language and quite possibly in Europe. She goes on to say that in 1500, Winkin D. Word, in his famous book of words, defined vulva as in English, a cunt. At this time, cunt was used as a descriptive word. Dr. Lister provides an hilarious history of the word and its usage to modern times in the chapter referenced above. She highlights that by the 18th century, the word cunt is now used as a curse and seen as lewd and indecent. Currently, cunt is the word that lots of women refuse to say. They see it as offensive no matter how it is being used. This varies from culture to culture. For example, in America, it is the insult that means your wife or girlfriend might end the relationship. But in the drag community in the US, a queen might be called cunty to highlight that she has a high level of femininity. If she's gorgeous and looks really convincing, you would call her cunty. In the UK, New Zealand, and Australia, cunt is usually used to refer to a man. When a man uses the term to refer to another man, in some parts of the world, it is the worst insult you can use. And in others, it can be seen as a term of endearment. In New Zealand, a man may refer to another man as a good cunt, meaning a good guy. I find this hilarious given the true meaning of the term. So a good guy is a vulva. At least there, we're saying that something is positive about it. The word cunt appears in literature up through the 21st century. It is used several times in the Canterbury Tales circa 1390 
and is used openly so is not seen to be vulgar or obscene or dirty in any way. It's descriptive. There is some suggestion that by Shakespeare's day, cunt was seen as obscene, but even so, he enjoyed sneaking the word cunt in wherever he could. Cunt can, use, can be used to describe somebody who is a fool or an annoying person. The word featured in one of the most famous obscenity trials in the United Kingdom, and this was the trial about the publication of Oz. Oz was an underground magazine that was first released in Australia in 1963, and at that time it was primarily satirical. It did cover controversial topics like homosexuality, the white Australia policy, Australian involvement in the Vietnam War, and of course, censorship. It also satirized all of the politicians that were popular at the time, including the Prime Minister. The founders were three university students, Sharp and Neville and Walsh. There were two obscenity trials in Australia during the life of the magazine, whilst it was in Australia. The founders were sentenced to three to six months in prison with hard labor after the first trial. And they were then released on bail pending appeal. And the convictions were eventually overturned. And the reason that they were overturned was because it was found that the judge's charging of the jury, and that's where the, the judge tells the jury how they should be looking at this case. Essentially, the judge is giving a bit of advice to the jury which is supposed to be unbiased and based on the law. Well, they found the judge's charging of the jury was biased and was um, designed to lead the jury to the idea that conviction really was the only option. Two of the founders, Sharp and Neville, headed for London in February 1966. The third founder, Walsh, continued to publish a smaller edition of Oz in Australia until around 1969. It was called the Sydney Oz. In 1966, the London Oz was founded by Neville Sharp and another Australian, Jim Anderson. Now, this magazine turned more psychedelic and more hippie-like. The magazine was targeted by the UK Obscene Publication Squad and their offices were raided a number of times. Now the editors often invited groups of people to edit an issue so as to give a different perspective to an issue. So one issue was edited by gay people and there was another issue edited by the female liberation mo movement. But the most controversial issue was called School Oz, which was where they asked a group of secondary school students to edit issue number 28, which came out in May of 1970. There was one article in this edition that was um, depicted a very sexualized Rupert, Rupert Bear. It was a parody, and it was written by a 15-year-old. The marrying together of school children and 
obscene or sexual writing was actually what led to the obscenity trial in 1971. So um, essentially, it was being looked at as corrupting minors. Um, and so this is what led to the obscenity trial. In the 1971 Oz obscenity trial, the prosecutor asked one of the principals if he would call his 10-year-old daughter a cunt. And he replied, no, because I don't think she is. Cunt can also be used to describe something that is difficult, as the word bitch is often used. For example, somebody might talk about, well, that was a bitch of a hill to climb, or it was a bitch of an exam. You can substitute cunt there, and you can say, well, that was a cunt of an exam, or a cunt of a hill to climb, or that was a cunt of a job. In 2016, a British judge used the word when sentencing a man. As the man told the judge, he thought the victim was a bit of a cunt. And the judge replied, well, you're a bit of a cunt too. I just love that one. There is a current movement, again, amongst feminists to reclaim the term. Um, and Germaine Greer highlights that Cunt is a word of immense power, and she says that this word, therefore, should really be used sparingly. It's actually used quite commonly over here. And as an American, I was really um, a bit shocked because um, in the group of people that I was around, it was the word that women didn't say. It wasn't a word that I would have used. Um, it was something that you didn't expect to hear men referring to you as. And if you, if, if a guy referred to you as a cunt, it was, a, it was meant to be a real insult. Although when you think about that, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but it was, it was meant to be a real insult. Um, it's a very harsh word. And so it was something that I just didn't expect to hear. Um, and I came to the UK and was quite surprised to hear it as actually a much more common curse word. As I would use the word fuck, a lot of people here use the word cunt. Um, and, or, you know, as I might use the word shit, a lot of people here will use the word cunt. So um, it, it was, as I say, a bit of a shock when I first arrived. But I got used to it, and you can occasionally hear me use it myself. I think my mother would be appalled. Um, I don't ever use it as a term of endearment. I certainly use it when I'm pissed off at something, often while driving and when somebody cuts me off or is going, you know, 20 miles below the speed limit in the fast lane, I will mutter under my breath. And really, don't feel great about it because um, I'm using a word for my body, one of the most beautiful parts of my body, and I'm using it in, in, in a way in which it is turned into something negative and bad, similar to the way that we use the word fuck. Fuck is, you know, the act of fucking is, is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And yet we use it to um, communicate anger and hatred and, and really don't think that that is the way it should be done. I think it's, um, if you're going to use the word cunt, you're much better off using it the way that um, some Scots do, um, calling somebody a wee cunt um, or a good cunt. Um, it's uh, not an insult there. It's a, it's a term of endearment. And I think if we're going to use it and uh, to do something other than re refer to the Volvo, we really should be using it as a term of endearment. 
So I think I'll make the commitment to try and use it less um, when I'm angry from today. And I invite other people to join me and do the same. So from the, from the use of the word to the thing itself, let's talk about anatomy for a minute. I remain astonished by how many women have never really examined their cunts and don't spend time looking at their cunts or their vaginas. And yes, you can actually look at your vagina, you just need a mirror. There are a couple of reasons you should look at yourself. First of all, if you don't know how you're constructed, how can you help a partner with what feels best, even with which bit is where? Not all women are made the same and it can be really difficult to find the clitoris. If you don't know what you look like, it's not as easy to tell somebody where to look. Tweaking RuPaul's catchphrase a bit, if you don't know yourself, how in the hell will anyone else know you? If you don't look at yourself, you have no way to notice changes. Observation is a key to managing any health issues quickly. Now this is true for your whole body. You really should know what is normal for you so that if things change, you can clearly describe to a healthcare professional what is normal for you and what the changes are. And the thing is, is that we all really vary quite a lot. Um, and so something that might be perfectly normal for someone else, for me, would be totally abnormal. Um, and something that might be abnormal for someone else, for me, might be the usual state of affairs. So if I'm going to go and see a doctor because I think something's wrong, I need to be able to tell them what to expect for normal. So they don't focus on things that actually, while they may fall outside the statistical norms, are normal for me. So anatomy. The vulva is actually the outside of the genitals, and that includes the inner and outer lips, labia. So it's labia majoris and labia minora. The clitoris, the urethral opening, and the entrance to the vagina. The vagina is the inner tube or the sheath. I apologize if most listeners are already aware of this, but I cannot tell you how often people come into my consulting room without knowing their own basic anatomy. So I think it's important to mention it whenever I have a reason to do so. And actually, the clitoris is located above the opening of the vagina, but really that's the glands of the clitoris. It's not the full clitoris. The full clitoris is actually much larger and is located internally and is about four inches long. And the whole clitoris from the outside through the inside bits is made of erectile tissue. That means that when you're turned on, it gets hard. It becomes engorged with blood. And the G-spot is actually thought now to be the ends of the clitoris, the internal ends of the clitoris. So it isn't elusive and it isn't a mystery and it does definitely exist because that is actually, when you push on that spot, you're pushing on the internal ends of the clitoris. I find it fascinating that for years we've been told that it might not or does not exist just because people have trouble finding it. It exists. So here are some tips for caring for the vulva and the vagina. Number one, the vagina is self-cleaning. Douching really screws up the ba balance of good bacteria. So please don't. 
Clean the vulva with warm water and avoid hard soaps. If you can, avoid just about any soap. Don't scrub too hard as the skin is really sensitive and if you make it raw, you are more prone to infection. Pay attention to the texture, smell, and any secretions and know what is normal for you. Secretions change not only during the course of a month, but during the course of a lifetime. Before puberty, your secretions feel different and smell different. When you're fertile, again, feel different and smell different. And after menopause, same thing, feel different and smell different. And then there are variations within the woman's cycle during the month. Know what's normal for you so that you know when something's wrong. Smell changes at different points in a woman's life. Strong smells usually mean you have an infection. Do kegels or pelvic floor exercises to keep your vagina in shape. There is sort of a use it or lose it um, idea, which is that those women who do not keep in shape by maybe they're doing having pen, regular penetrative sex and or doing regular kegels may find that um, their the muscles become slack or become too tight and this may cause problem with enjoyment of sexual activity down the line. Try not to cover yourself in synthetic fabric all the time as it tends to be more conducive to infections of all types that includes fungal infections. Wear cotton, silk, or bamboo. All of these are natural fibers. They also feel really nice. Take some time to explore and see what feels good and what does not. See what causes arousal. Feel the texture of your skin. Get to know you first. I've always found it profound that the worst insult you can hurl at a man is to call him a cunt. It highlights how accepted it is to denigrate women, as I was saying before. In many cultures, there is no worse insult than to suggest that a man is feminine. And recently, women have really taken to using cunt much more as an insult as well. And this is only one example of how we denigrate and devalue ourselves. It highlights our separation from our whole bodies and how easy it is for us to swallow the message given to us by men in the greater society. This is closer relate, closely related to slut shaming. Women are often quick to call another woman a slut. This is the go-to insult, whether what the other woman has done has had anything to do with sex or sleeping around or not. We quickly call another woman a slut, a cunt, or a bitch when she angers us. It is only recently that women have become more comfortable with the word cunt, but instead of using it in a positive manner, it continues to be used to hurl as an insult. And again, I'm making a pledge today that I will do less of that. I will try and use it only in a positive manner. And I'm asking all my listeners to do the same. Even when talking dirty, the word cunt can feel challenging. For some women, being called a hot cunt is exciting. For some, it just feels too raw. In order to reclaim cunt, we have to practice using it and hearing it. 
George Carlin, an American comedian, first did a sketch called The Seven Words You Can't Say on Television on 27th May in 1972. Here is his take on cunt, which is one of the seven. The reason that piss and cunt are on the list is that a long time ago, these are the two that ladies say they are not going to say. I don't mind shit and fuck, but PNC are out, which led to such stupid sentences as, okay, you fuckers, I'm going to tinkle now. So this week, Angie wrote in to ask how she can get her girlfriend to really talk dirty to her. She says that she enjoys being called slut, whore, and cunt, but her girlfriend is really uncomfortable using these words, and that when she does, they sound bland instead of edgy. And there's nothing worse in talking dirty to have your partner sounding uninvolved or bland. So thanks for writing in, Angie. I think the first step is to sit down with your girlfriend at a time when you're not in the bedroom and not planning on having sex straight away. Make sure you're creating a safe space by making sure you won't be interrupted, uh, making sure you both have enough time to have a conversation, the room is nice and comfortable, and letting her know at first that you're not going to judge her. Start the conversation by letting her know that you've noticed how hard she finds it to use the strong words that you enjoy during sex and during dirty talk. Ask her what causes her concern. Make sure to listen well and observe her well. If she's afraid of hurting you, make it clear that you will not be offended by these words used in this context and let her know just how hot you think it is when she talks to you this way. If it is her own discomfort in using words that she finds hateful, acknowledge that. You can try to negotiate again by letting her know how incredibly hot you find it when she talks that way. But if she's still not willing, work with her to find other words that might work. Experiment with these and keep trying until you find something that tricks trips your trigger. Thanks for joining me for the A to Z of sex this week. Write to me with suggestions for the show and questions you want answered at drlorybeth at a to z of sex.com. That's D-R-L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H at A-T-O-Z or Z-O-F-S-E-X.com. Do follow me on Twitter and Instagram where I'm at Dr. Bisbee and Facebook and YouTube, Lori Beth Bisbee. I also have a channel on the Bon Bon Network. Go and check it out. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, go to https colon forward slash forward slash A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X dot com and click on the button that says schedule now. If you enjoy the show, please leave me a review on iTunes and Stitcher. You can do so anonymously. The next four people who review the show will receive one session free. This is a 250 pound value. See you next week when the letter will be D and D is for desire. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X.
to subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.